This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jess, Mo and Greg's Super Saturday is now more than eight years ago. The golden age of the 80s and early 90s of Coe, Cram, Sanderson, Gunnell, Christie and Edwards, even longer. Athletics is now sadly used to making the headlines for all the wrong reasons. That's why running British athletics has been described as the toughest job in UK sport. Not by journalists or headline writers, but by the person who's now taken over the role of chief executive. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And this is Anything But Footy's Great British Bosses. The podcast speaking to the people behind the scenes of British sport. Those responsible for those medal moments that John mentioned but also the health and well-being of athletes and the sport in general. In this episode, we speak to the new Chief Executive Officer of arguably the biggest Olympic and Paralympic sport there is. Hi, Joanna Coates, CEO of UK Athletics. Joanna, to, to kick off with, you described it as the toughest job in British sport, but you also love a challenge. So how's your to-do list um, getting on? Because I understand it was quite a long one when you started yeah the to-do list has not got any shorter that's for sure so I think when you come into an organization like this you you know it's a big job you know you know the stuff that needs fixing um, and you start to fix one thing and then you realize oh my goodness that reacts on this next thing so therefore I now need to fix that so the to-do list is is pretty big I think we've managed to prioritize some of the to-dos and we've certainly started some of that work but yeah, I said it was probably the biggest job in British sport. I'm not sure I've quite changed my mind on that, to tell you the truth, after the few months that I've been here. Was there anything that surprised you in that list? Or when you, or did you know all the issues when, or have an idea of the issues going into the role? Um, I had an idea of some of them, but I don't think you ever truly know until you're properly within an, within an organisation. So I think the thing that's um, surprised me more than anything else Um, is the fact that UKA had probably forgotten how to be a national governing body. So some of the things that I thought they would be exceptionally good at, um, they're not so good. So the whole area around coaching, and I think I've spoken about this quite a lot, I assumed that that would be um, an exceptional part of their business. And it's not. It's one of the big things on my to-do list, probably top of my to-do list things around officiating you know those kinds of things that you would assume that you just take for granted that a governing body of this size did well and they've that surprised me and we need to do a lot of work there it's really about doing the stuff that an NGB really should do and do well that's that's what surprised me I think around um, our connection to our athletes, that's been rather disappointing. I thought we'd have a closer relationship with a lot of our athletes and we haven't got that close relationship. So they're probably the things that have surprised me coming into this role that I assumed would be slightly different. So how do you go about meeting that challenge, getting closer to these people when you can't actually sit around a table with them and look at the whites of their eyes and see whether these are people that want to go on that culture change that journey with you 
Yeah, it has been difficult. And there's so many different sort of stakeholder groups. So the staff, first of all, you know, I had to close the office within two days. So I think I've actually only met properly about four or five of the staff, literally face to face. The rest I've had to meet across Teams and Zoom and so forth. So that, that's been a bit of a challenge. Um, same with the athletes and coaches. I really wanted to reach out to the athletes and coaches and learn a lot more about athletics and our relationship with those really key groups of people. So again, had to do it virtually, which I'm one of those people I do like to have a chat. I like to sit down with somebody. I like to be in the room with them. So that, that's been quite, um, quite difficult. But I think we've all moved on now and this seems the norm. This seems the norm as the way we communicate with people. So that big culture change piece um it started to happen but um it's gonna it's gonna take quite a while it's gonna take a while to change the culture at uka but i think that reaching out to people that have been disassociated from the organization for some time is is the way to do it to have those conversations to listen to gain their trust that's really important we need to gain the trust of a lot of people whose trust we've, we've lost and start to bring them back into the organization and then when we're face to face again we can start to do all the stuff that you'd normally do you know around behavior change and having those conversations that's the time to do it when I went and spoke with Julie Harrington at British Cycling, she faced a similar challenge to yours and she uttered a, a line that's really stayed with me, which is an organisation can only go as fast as the slowest person in that organisation. Are you able yet to look at the team around you and be convinced that everyone does want to go with you and at your pace? I think anybody that knows me knows that I, I do work at quite a pace. I think also with athletics, we don't have the luxury of not going at, at you know, a pretty fast pace. We need to turn this organisation around and we need to do it quickly. So um, I think there is a willingness from most people to come to come with us. What we have to do, though, is we need to write a strategy that's right for UKA. And we then need to resource that strategy. and have the right staff around us that can deliver that and sometimes when you do that not everybody stays that is currently in an organization it just doesn't it just doesn't happen you quite often have to bring new fresh ideas into a business um, and that may well happen you know so I get Julie's point around you only go as fast as sort of the slowest the slowest person within an organization but for me, it's about making sure that the staff that you have and the resource that you have is fit for purpose to live the strategy that ultimately you've written and the board sign off. So if they're the right people there, then that's great. If they're not, then we'll have to change. We mentioned, Joanna, that you arrived in March 2020 and six days before the Tokyo and Paralympic Olympics Games were postponed. Uh, quite a uh, quite a kind of welcome to British athletics. Before that, you were at the London Legacy Development Corporation as Chief Commercial Officer. And then, of course, probably most people know you from being Chief Executive Officer at Netball England from 2015 to 2019. And you said your greatest achievement there was not necessarily the first Commonwealth gold medal that Michael will tell you that he was there to see, by the way, um, <laughs> in Gold Coast. But the growth in grassroots and that people are now proud of their sport, that was what you said your greatest achievement was. So is that is what is needed for athletics, about being proud of the sport again? 
I absolutely think it is. Yeah, I think there's so similar, so many similarities between where I came from and where I am now. I absolutely think that's right. Yeah, it's it's about people being proud of the sport. It's about people believing what they see, and it's about our athletes being proud to be part of British athletics. We know they're incredibly proud when they run for their country, but I want them to be proud of their national governing body. So absolutely, and you know, it's been brilliant working with the home countries. Again, everybody said to me, oh, it's gonna be awful working with the home countries. It's gonna be a battle and all this. I've had a great time working with the other four CEOs. It's been absolutely wonderful working on the interim collaboration agreement, following up on the stuff that Dame Sue Street said. It's just been a, a really, really great experience. And so I hope that UKA become part of, again, driving participation. You know, we're working out what our roles and responsibilities are, but we have a massive responsibility to assist the home countries in them driving participation. And that's the piece that's really exciting me is linking up the whole athletics family, you know, unifying that family and ensuring that participation is, is delivered, good competition, good, comp good coaching throughout the entire um, pathway because that's ultimately where we'll get the athletes that we then pick up who go on and represent their country and without that you, you can't have the stars that go go to world that go to olympics go to europeans you can't have that without great participation so i, I really hope that in my first year that that's the bit that we do and we do well we join it all up We'll talk about the participation in, in just a couple of moments time. But before we just move on from that, when you spoke, you said you spoke to the athletes. Was there anything in there that surprised you that wasn't on your to-do list that they'd given you the indication of, oh, well, I didn't know that was an issue? Yeah, very much. For me, it was, it was how distant they felt from their governing body. That was the thing that really surprised me the most. Not all athletes, but probably our more household names. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, and we need to work really, really hard to get them back to um, believing in what we're doing and believing that we can offer them a great environment and that we have something to offer them over and above what, what they can do, you know, in, in their own team, if you like, their own team that they put around them. So that probably has been, has been the biggest thing for me. But the thing that's, again just really really great about it i was going to use the word delightful it is delightful actually is that they they now really want to they want to trust us as a governing body they they want to help us you know they want to see their sport flourish and you can't turn around a sport unless you've got all those stakeholders involved you know it will be impossible for us to do a turnaround on athletics if our top athletes don't want to be anything don't want to be a part of us and don't support us it's just impossible. Um, so that, that's the bit I think that, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting around the athletes. And when you speak to them, they are just incredible. You know, when you talk about a sport that truly reflects today's society with inspirational young people doing what they're brilliant at doing, athletics, you know, it, it is the one sport. It's the only sport where we've been talking about this a lot, you know, from playground to podium. Any kid in a playground can look at athletics and think I, I could be an Olympian. There aren't many sports where, you know, regardless of shape, size and all the rest of it, you, you could represent your country and, at an Olympics. And, and athletics does that. It's, it's an incredible sport from that perspective.
And we've got a brilliant showcase coming up with the British Championships being held in Manchester. And I know we want to talk to you at length about that. But one just final question really on this is part of the problem with the sport been that if you look at the athletes, the former athletes, the coaching, the administrators, the broadcasters, the journalists, that it's actually been a bit incestuous, if you like, over the years, athletics. It's all been a bit intertwined. I don't want to pick on someone like Steve Cram, for example, but he's our lead broadcast voice on the sport. But he's coaching an active athlete. He's a former athlete and sits on funding boards, for example, or has sat on funding boards. Is it a good thing that maybe that you've come in from outside the sport? Is that what was required? You know, I think you've got you've got people within the sport that absolutely wear you know lots of different hats. I don't think on many levels that's a bad thing. I really don't because you've got to have people that live and breathe the sport and truly understand it, and you know, cut them in half and they'll and it'll say athletics. I think that's really important. Do I think it's a good thing somebody coming in with a fresh pair of eyes that isn't from an athletics background? I really do. Yeah, I think this sport, I think this sport definitely needed somebody that didn't know the characters, that didn't know the politics that sat behind it, that could come in with a totally fresh pair of eyes and look at this without any of the baggage that a lot of people, um, you know, I can understand why they why they carry that baggage with them. And that wasn't me. You know, I, I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any preconceived ideas. Um, it doesn't really matter if I upset people because I'm not linked to them. Do you know what I mean? That, <laughs> that you know, I have no connections. I don't go for a drink with them. I'm not going to bump into them at the next event or whatever because they're my buddies. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to turn this sport around and therefore... I don't think it was necessary for me to come from an athletics background. And I think, and I, I, I thought it before I took the job on. I absolutely know now it was the right thing for somebody not to be from athletics to take this job. Yeah, because I was going to say, you don't need to know what everyone's personal bests are or what their split times were in a British championship four years ago to be a good administrator. And the one thing I think we would all agree on is that British athletics needed a good administrator at this point. Absolutely. I'm a sports administrator. You know, people always say to me, oh, what's what's your sport? As if like, you know, people assumed I was a netballer. I'm sure in five years when I've done this job for five years, they'll go, oh, you know, what what did you do? (laughs) I'd be like, no, I didn't. You don't have to do the sport to be able to run the sport. You know, a sports administrator, it's a business role. It's about running a successful business. Your business just happens to be that it's sport and your product is people doing extraordinary things and most of your workforce are volunteers that's the difference but other than that you're running a sports business that's what you do you you know and that's very different from being able to coach or be able to do the sport it's very different talking of business then how important is it the muller british championships in the first weekend in september will be taking place in manchester and it's live on the bbc how important is it for a summer sport like athletics to have that event this summer of all summers? Oh, it's, it's so important. I mean, the thought that we might not have been able to host that would have, I think would have been disastrous for the sport. You know, you have to be showcased or else you are forgotten. Absolutely. Just look at the name of your podcast. You know, football will just dominate everything if you don't showcase your sport. So for us, it, it was it was absolutely vital, you know, and the team have done an amazing job. Manchester have done an amazing job being able to, we, you know, to ensure that we can put this on and the athletes can be safe. 
really upsetting that there's no um, spectators there. Obviously, that that is sad for the people that purchase the tickets and desperately want to watch live athletics. But the fact that we're on the BBC on a Friday night and a Saturday is just fantastic. And it, it's so important to not be able to showcase your sport is absolutely disastrous. Because when you then come to have your live events next year, when hopefully the, back, the world is back into some sort of um, normality and we can have fans back in stadium, you are very quickly forgotten. You know, this is entertainment. We are entertaining people and people will find another way to spend their money. So it was absolutely vital that we got this on. And it was vital for the athletes, you know, to, to be training even in you know, the weird circumstances that, that we were in, but now for a lot of them to be back to full-time training, for them not to be able to compete is, is just dreadful. And obviously some of them are going abroad. Well, we don't want to lose our best athletes at events abroad and for them not to compete in Britain. That's, it, it would have been, I, I honestly believe it would have been disastrous. And you know our sponsors, they've been hugely supportive, but to not be able to deliver anything for our sponsors, again, not great. Yeah. Um, is it more of a test for you guys as well, as in to stage something with all these restrictions? I mean, we don't know what the format and shape of the competition will be, but actually it's a test for you and also for the TV broadcasters. Completely. I mean, the logistics behind this, the logistics behind an athletics event anyway, as I'm learning, are pretty complex. Um, but to do it and have it, you know, we're having to run so many different scenarios because actually we don't know what, the world is going to look like even in September you know things are changing on a weekly basis so we're having to run so many scenarios as to what it might look like but I mean the main thing for us is that the athletes feel safe and the officials feel safe and the coaches feel safe that's the main thing for us and then that they have a great experience but yeah it's you know we've just had to stand the board down and say I'm really sorry but you can't you can't come you know and it, things like that that you wouldn't expect to be doing but you know we want to limit the amount of people that are physically in the stadium unless you are there to compete to coach to officiate or you're a member of staff literally there will be nobody there and you know if me being there means a member of staff is going to have to tell me where to go and I don't really have a job being there then I won't be there either so it, it's been a very unusual event to organize um because you are running so many different scenarios because we still don't quite know what it might look like in September. We're hoping that restrictions will have been lifted, but we don't know. It's quite difficult to have every single event because of us not knowing, you know, how many lanes are we going to be able to have? How are we going to, you know, things like the high jump that might have to take double the time because of cleaning beds. There are so many still things that we're not too sure on. Um, so I know some people will be disappointed. There's no way that we're going to be able to run what would normally be deemed as a, you know, an athletics event. It's just not possible with the restrictions. We've mentioned that the British Championships is happening, but how big a blow was it to lose the anniversary games? Not just in terms of that showcasing the sport, but I imagine when you look, get the bank statement through the post it must be a bit a bitter pill to swallow to lose that huge event that people look forward to oh yeah like you say spectators gutted athletes obviously you know massive for them to not be able to compete but um 
yeah, it was one of the events that, you know, it earns us quite a lot of cash and that's not easy. Same as every other sport though, you know, you look at every other sport and where they struggled is the fact that they've lost income from events and that was our biggest event. So yeah, it hasn't made the bottom line look as good as we would have liked it to look. We are very, very fortunate with the fact that our sponsors have stuck with us. I mean, that's one of the main things. You know, there's a lot of sponsor sponsorship money that sits around that and they've stuck with us, which is just fantastic. But yeah, very difficult to make that sort of money up when, you know, we, we do run major events. That's that's one of our core strands of our business. We've spoken, obviously, about the seriousness of running an organisation during coronavirus. We talked about some of the financial implications. A big movement at the moment, as you will know, Black Lives Matter. Team GB sprinter Bianca Williams was very much in the news. Have you got a, a policy or a protocol with your athletes if one of your athletes at the British Championships wants to take the knee on the podium? Is, is that something that you will encourage people to do? There are lots of discussions going on at the moment. There's lots of discussions about what we put on our bibs. Um, for me, it's about what the athlete wants to do. We don't want to force anybody to do anything either because that's not that's not the right thing to do. Um, but I would encourage any athlete that feels they want to do it that they should be they should be allowed to do it. And there's no way that we should say they shouldn't. Yeah, that's the important thing because I think the IOC have kind of indicated in Tokyo that they they would not like to see it on the podium. But you're saying to the British athletes coming and competing in Manchester in the Muller Championships that if that is a statement they want to make, you'll give them that platform. Absolutely. You know, our whole new, our whole new vision, our whole new strategy is going to be about putting the athletes at the heart of everything that we do. And I truly, I truly believe that. And we can't turn around to people who feel very, very strongly about this and say you are not entitled to do that. So, but equally, we don't want to legislate for it because if some people aren't com comfortable doing it, some people show you know, their support in different ways. So for me, it's whatever the athlete wants to do. And you mentioned there as well about athletes being at the forefront of, of your um, new regime as you move forward. How um, surprised were you? How worrying is it when you see the allegations of another national governing body in, in British gymnastics that we've seen in the last few weeks? It's extremely worrying. You know, sport is a place where people go, and especially a lot of young people go, because it, it's a place where they find themselves. You know, it's a place where it should empower them. It's a place where it should give them a great, great grounding in life to take with them when they move forward in their careers. Um, and for something like that to happen is dreadful, because that's not what sport is about. So, um, We've got our safeguarding review that was started just before before I started that that actually commenced. So we've had the initial report back from that and we'll be publishing that at the end of July with an action plan. Um, you know, it's going to be quite hard hitting. It, you know, it, it does say that we're, we're not as good as we think we are in and around safeguarding. And that's something we'll take extremely seriously and we'll work up that action plan. And hopefully we will be best in class then when it comes to safeguarding children and young people. So it is a worry for sport and it's something we've got to face and it's something we've got to accept it goes on. 
and people have to call this sort of behavior out because a lot of the times it doesn't because people desperately want success on a world stage or even on a local local county stage you know they want their kids to be the best within counties and quite often people know this is happening but they want success more than actually you know calling this sort of behavior out and it certainly isn't how i want to lead an organization i want people to know that if they see this or they are affected by this that they can come to us as an organization and we will take it extremely seriously we are not now all about winning medals that is not who we are we are about every athlete having a fantastic uh, relationship with their sport and for me you know i'd like to see finalists in every event let's even stop talking about medals let's talk about finalists because if you've come seventh in an olympic games that is phenomenal and i know we want to win but let's not forget that every athlete wants to win. That's why they compete. That's why they put their bodies through what they put them, their bodies through. They are extraordinary people. But we have to make sure that that's done in, in a safe environment. And, you know, I, I hope through the safeguarding review that when we implement our action plan, it gives everybody a safe environment. But an action plan is only part of the way. People have to call these things out. When they see it, they have to call it out and organisations have to take it seriously. So would it be fair to say that with everything that's going on around welfare, around reform of the organisation, that you and, and UK Sport, who ultimately are putting quite a lot of public money into British Athletics, UKA, that you and UK Sport need to work very closely together, have each other on speed dial, if you like, over the next few weeks, months and years? Yeah, absolutely. You know, they do, they are our major funder. We couldn't do what we do without them. You know, I think you've got very different leadership there now in Sally Mundy. Um, colleague of mine, when she was at, at hockey, we knew each other very well. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Sally and the team that she has now starts to change some of what UK sport uh, deem as success. You know, I, I think you'll see some changes there. And I think that will be really welcomed by a lot of the governing bodies. But you know, lots of people say that it's it's the UK sport funding model that have that has driven sports to do what they've done. I'm not too sure about that. I'm really not too sure about that. You know, I think if you run an organisation, you have to run it and you have to look at what is ethical and what is not ethical. And if behaving in an in an unethical way delivers you success where your funding body continues funding you. Is that really the right sort of organization? I, I don't think it is. You know, I think you build, you build something that delivers for your funding partners, but it doesn't always have to be at, at the expense of other people. That's, that's just not right. So just before we finish, Tokyo 2020 is going to be in 2021. Will Katarina Johnson-Thompson, Dina Asher-Smith, Gemma Riki, come home superstars maybe you'll tell us a, another couple of names for example well i i think the superstars already that's the thing for me <laughs> will this will this um will this deliver to them what their dream is because for me they are superstars and this is about their dream this is about them succeeding and and, and delivering to themselves what they desperately want to deliver and i i believe i believe that they will and what i really hope is that when they do 
they have a connection with British athletics. That's what I would really, really hope is that when they win those gold medals, those silver medals, those bronze medals, or make those finals, because that is as important, that they think they have a closer connection to British athletics. That would be success for me in Tokyo. Well, the Muller British Athletics Championships will be held in Manchester behind closed doors, but live on television on a Friday and a Friday evening and a Saturday afternoon. British Athletics CEO Joanna Coates, thank you for talking to great British bosses from anything but footy. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.